It's Ollie from History Profiles, and today I'll be taking you to 19th century Edinburgh, where the subject of anatomy was still being studied in order for doctors to understand how to perform surgery and learn even more about the human body. But back in the 19th century, in order for a doctor to become skilled at the art of surgery and knowledgeable in anatomy, they would need a supply of corpses in order to practice on. However, where throughout history dead bodies were common due to people being executed, this was no longer the case, as in 1823, the Judgment of Death Act saw the numbers of crimes punishable by death in Scotland drop significantly. This would lead to an extreme shortage of dead bodies available. Scottish law at the time deemed that suitable corpses that could be used for the purpose of study were only people who had died in prison, suicide victims, and the bodies of orphans. As the supply of bodies became extremely rare, doctors were literally waiting for people to die. This increased the demand, and grave robbers and body snatchers would take this opportunity to begin trading corpses. Now, the two important men in this story were named William Burke and William Hare. Burke was born in 1792 in Ireland. He had a comfortable upbringing, coming from a middle-class family, and he joined the British Army as a young man. He met a woman and married her, and would settle in County Mayo in Ireland, but the marriage wouldn't last long, and he abandoned his wife and moved to Scotland to become a labourer. He eventually settled in Edinburgh and met a new woman named Helen MacDougall. Burke would eventually become a cobbler, and he was pretty good at it, earning a decent and honest living. His partner in crime was William Hare, and his early life isn't recorded, and his age and date of birth are unknown. It is said that he moved to Edinburgh in the mid-1820s, where he would work as a coal man's assistant. He resided at Tanner's Close, and after the landlord died, he began a relationship with his widow, named Margaret Laird. He now would permanently reside at Tanner's Close. Hare was described as illiterate and uncouth, lean and quarrelsome, and a violent man with scars from old wounds all over his face. Hare and Burke would meet in 1827, when they both went to work on the harvest. The men would become fierce friends, and when they both returned to Edinburgh, they moved into Hare's Tannis Close lodging house, where they would get a reputation around the neighbourhood for long drinking sessions and loud, rowdy behaviour. Now, this is how Hare and Burke would discover a gap in the market for corpses. On the 29th of November, 1827, a man named Donald would die while lodging at Tanner's Close, but he still owed £4 worth of rent. The pair took the corpse to Edinburgh University, where they would look for a buyer. Students would point them to an anatomy lecturer named Dr Knox, who paid £7 and 10 shillings for Donald's body. Hare and Burke now saw how lucrative the corpse market was, and they would take advantage of it. This was further proved, as once the transaction was done, one of Dr Knox's assistants told them, We would be glad to see you again, when you have another body to dispose of. Shortly after their first sale, one of the pair's tenants would become ill. Hare and Burke would jump on this opportunity, and got the man who was called Joseph extremely drunk on whiskey. They couldn't help themselves, and wait to see if Joseph would die, 
so they restrained him and smothered him with a pillow to cut off his airways. This particular way of murder would ensure that the body had no markings and was perfect for sale. The practice would become known as burking. The pair again took the body straight to Dr. Knox, who this time paid £10. Their next victim was an unnamed Englishman who was a travelling seller of matches and tinder. He too would fall ill at Hare's lodging house. Hare was concerned that the illness of the unnamed man may have an effect on the business of the lodging house, so they decided to deal with the man swiftly. They crept up into his room, and Burke would put all of his body weight on the victim, stopping him from moving, while Hare would crushingly suffocate the victim until their last breath. Following this, the pair would meet a woman who was a pensioner that lived in a nearby village of Gilmerton. She would regularly visit Edinburgh to sell salt. She was invited back to the inn, and Hare and Burke and the pensioner would start drinking heavily. The pair ensured the pensioner was too drunk to return home, and after tucking her into bed, they killed her. Again, Hare and Burke went to Dr. Knox, and he gave them £10 of body. Apparently, Dr. Knox approved of the freshness of the bodies, and Hare and Burke would become his favourite suppliers, as the bodies were always fresh and unspoiled. Burke and Hare would prey on the most vulnerable people in society, who were likely to not be recognised or missed by anyone. It is said that the pair murdered at least 16 people, and then sold the bodies for 7-10 to 10 pounds, although the real number of people they killed is likely to be higher. Burke would later meet two women in early April called Mary Patterson and Janet Brown. He would buy the women drinks and would invite them to his lodging for breakfast and a place to stay. Burke's wife would find him and the women drunk and accused Burke of having an affair. An argument then broke out and Burke threw a glass at his wife, cutting her across the eye, while Janet Brown said she didn't know he was married and left the inn. However, Mary Patterson was still in the inn and they murdered her while she was sleeping. Again, they took the corpse to Dr. Knox, who paid £8 for the body, which was still apparently warm when they sold it. One of Dr. Knox's assistants named Ferguson thought he recognised the dead woman. He asked Burke and Hare where they obtained the body, and Burke said that the girl had drank herself to death and they got the body from an old woman. Dr. Knox, not caring about morality, was absolutely delighted with the corpse, simply caring about his studies and putting aside his ethics in search for knowledge. When Janet Brown later went looking for her friend, she was told she had left for Glasgow with a travelling salesman. The pair's greed was becoming uncontrollable, but with greed came carelessness, and it was only a matter of time until Burke and Hare were discovered. Their last victim was killed on October the 31st, 1828, and her name was Margaret Doherty. She was a middle-aged Irish woman who Burke had lured into the inn by claiming his mother was also a Doherty, and with his charm, the pair began drinking and talking. Burke left the inn, telling Margaret he was getting more whiskey, but he was actually going to get his friend Hare, as he had to kill this woman. Two lodgers, however, were already at the inn. They were named Anne and James Gray, and Burke and Hare paid them to stay at Hare's lodging that night. 
saying that Margaret Doherty was family. Burke, Hare and Margaret continued drinking, and by the end of the night, Margaret had been murdered with the usual method, and her body was put by a pile of straw at the end of a bed. The very next day, Anne and James Gray returned, and the pair became suspicious when Burke did not let them go near the bed where Anne had left her stockings. When the pair realised they were alone in the inn, they searched the straw and found Margaret's body. They then quickly went to alert the police, but they ran into Burke's wife, Helen McDougall, who tried to bribe them with £10 a week in order for them to keep their mouths shut, but they refused and reported the murder. Burke and Hare quickly sold Margaret's body, but the police searched the inn swiftly and found blood-stained clothes and brought Burke and Hare in for questioning. The police also went to Dr Knox's dissecting room where they found Margaret, who was then identified by Anne and James Gray. Burke and Hare were subsequently charged with murder. Hare, however, was offered full immunity from prosecution if he provided details of the murder of Margaret. He would make a full confession to all the murders that he carried out, but when it came to the trial, Burke would plead not guilty and Hare would give evidence saying that Burke was the sole murderer of Margaret Doherty. Burke was then found guilty of murder and he was given the death sentence. As the death sentence was being passed, the judge said, Your body should be publicly dissected and anatomized, and I trust that is it ever customary to preserve skeletons, yours will be preserved, in order that posterity may keep in remembrance your atrocious crimes. Hare on the other hand was held in custody for his own protection, and was released on the 5th of February 1829. Wherever he went, an angry mob would follow, and would throw stones at any establishment he was at. His presence would create chaos in general, due to the public hating him. He later made his way to the English border, where there are no more recorded sightings of him, and where he disappears from history. As for Dr Knox, he left Edinburgh due to public outrage, and would begin to lecture in Britain and Europe, trying to salvage his career. Margaret Hare, the wife of William Hare, fled to Ireland, and Burke's woman, Helen McDougall, started a completely new life in Australia. When you turn a blind eye to evil, due to the search for knowledge, do you too deserve to be punished? Do you think that Dr Knox and Margaret Hare and Helen McDougall should be found guilty as well, due to their knowledge of all crimes? Let me know in the comments section down below, and I'll see you all next week for another History Profile. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.